This episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Justin Williams, but today I'm not alone because I'm never alone for I hate abandonment issues. Ladies and gentlemen, I have the man behind the mic, the one that makes my voice sound so golden and our edits sound perfect. The man who doesn't sleep, he's up longer than me, both he wakes up earlier than me. The man is just always on the grind. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my partner in crime, Colbert Durant. Kobe, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. How you doing today? You know what? A little better than that crackle in your voice there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> rough, rough, rough nights. Rough nights. <laughs> rough nights, early mornings. You know the deal. But the person we have as our guest today knows all about how it goes and all that fun stuff. This man is a heavyweight competitor in one of the arguably toughest promotions on the face of this planet. He has an accent, which comes with a lot of fun to talk with. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Bellator's heavyweight, Rab Truesdale. Rab, how are you doing? You guys, how's it going? Yeah, I'm good. Everything okay? Oh, perfect. Can't complain on our side. How's the weather over there? The weather's uh, pretty cold, man. It's uh, it's really chilly at the moment. You've got that storm coming over as well, so uh, it's been quite windy, chilly, and pretty much just your usual Scottish weather. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, sounds like a Scottish summer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing much changes. I feel that I'm from Newfoundland myself, so I kind of understand where it's just like, oh, it's it's plus ten out. This is this is a very hot summer this year. <laughs> yeah, well, that's when it goes minus ten. That's when you need to watch out. Honestly, I'm right? Little. And it's not even for the cold; it's for slipping on the ice. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you're forever trying to grit the street or grit your drive, just so you're mm. able to function properly. But yeah, that's the Scottish weather, and that's just the summer. Yeah. <laughs> So for your fights, do you, do you train outside some like Rocky Four stuff? Just training in a barn in the minus twenty degree weather out there. I mean, when I was younger, I used to uh, like hitting the roads and stuff. Get my trainers on and just go out and and maybe do like five mile or or whatever. When I was trying to make light heavyweight, that was kind of my go to. I would always get the trainers on and because I've got some beautiful scenery here. I'm right beside the Oco Hill, so the backdrop where I live is absolutely stunning. So right. I've got some nice scenery. So I would. Usually get the trainers on, go do some maybe five miles or and and get the, get the weight down that way. Uh, but nowadays, getting older, man, the knees can't cope. So whenever I hit the pavement, <laughs> the knees usually uh, give in. So yeah, treadmill or you know your usual normal ways of training uh, in the gym. But yeah, it's uh, it's a bit snappy. So the weather's mm. not too great for running on the road. If you get a if you get a bit of ice, that could be you. <laughs> I was going to say, I used to be 240 pounds myself and uh, not a heavyweight. I'm only 
six one, but I lost my weight through using the elliptical because I hate running. Running is the is the devil spawn. I can't do it. I don't know how people do it. I don't know how you did it, but when when did you decide to make that jump to heavyweight, and why was that reason? Uh, I've always kind of been uh, bottom heavy. Like I, I played rugby and done football as a kid, as in soccer mm. when I was younger. So like my muscles in the bottom half outweigh my muscles in the top half and uh, that's not very good if you're a heavyweight <laughs> so i've kind of been like if if mma in general like had like a cruiserweight you know something in between heavyweight and light heavyweight because uh, there's such a big gap between 93 kilos and then you know 220 kilos i'm sure there'd be a lot of guys interested in fighting in that weight class and that and i'm sure there'd be some cracking fights you would be able to make all over any promotion but there just doesn't seem to be that that need for it just now yeah i'd love to like fighting and uh and a cruiserweight you know like boxing something in between oh would you ever switch to boxing uh no i'd maybe try you know the, the bare knuckle boxing or something i'd never give that a go uh just the appeal of it looks a bit crazy so something else to put on my resume that say that i've done yeah you get some mad guys fighting and and that bare knuckle boxing, so I would like to give that a go, maybe. But uh, no, I'm I'm quite stuck in my ways. It's MMA is kind of like your truest form of, you know, fighting in that regard. So I, I would, yeah, I, I do love uh, fight. It's almost like gladiator type scenarios. You know what I mean? Where you find out who's the, the best fighter. I think uh, bare knuckle boxing, although the appeals because it's bloody and gruesome and stuff like that, you still don't know the the best actual fighter if you, if you know what I mean it's the same if, if you have a look at a, a judo match the, the judo world championships still doesn't necessarily mean he's the best fighter but I feel like if you say you're world champion and uh, and Bellator for example that pretty much puts you up there as the best fighter overall if you ask me hell so. yeah it does that's why I mentioned that right in the early parts of the intro I was talking about the promotion and it's it's notoriety yeah, it's a good point you make about the possibility of a cruiserweight division because that makes complete sense. There's a lot of people that talk about the gap between middleweight and light heavyweight being a big one. But the fact that you go from 205 to a top level of 265, that's just ridiculous. A cruiserweight makes total sense, Rap. Yeah, no, I'm all for uh, opening up the, the weight limits and stuff like that and have, having more champions that it could be. I mean, I don't want to go too far like boxing has. I think sometimes they've got too many, I believe. But, uh, yeah, definitely something in between middleweight and light heavy and then light heavyweight and, and, and heavyweight. I think there could be some really tasty matchups there, plus an opportunity to create more champions for your promotion. So, yeah, there would be some nice matchups. And guys like myself that are, like, that can be struggling. I mean, I'm deliberately keeping weight on, so these guys don't think that I'm too small. Uh, so, for example, I know for the for my last fight that my opponent was like 200. I think he was on the limit near enough. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no way he's just on the limit. He's probably cut down from above. Do you know what I mean? And and I'm just I'm trying to keep the clothes on when I'm weighing in, just so that I, <laughs> so that I look a bit heavier than I actually was. But yeah, I could I could probably get down to light heavyweight if I had a, had a decent camp. But it absolutely kills me to get down there, and you know you don't feel healthy and you don't feel within yourself. So if there was like something in between, 
uh, guys like myself would, would love to be fighting in, in that weight class. I mean, it's, so for me, originally on, I was always of the opinion that you want to keep the the weight classes that currently exist because you want to be able to compare to people in the past. I think mixed martial arts has changed enough that nowadays I've become a proponent of the 10-pound differences, right? I think every every weight class should just be 10 pounds from each other. And that way you have more champions. You have the possibility of people moving up, moving down far easier. But I just think it makes for a, a more interesting overall perspective for a promotion. I think it'll take a new promotion to do it, though. Yeah, you're probably right. Some guys are stuck in their, in their old habits and uh, don't like change. If there was a, you know, ever a sport that was going to do it, you'd think MMA would be one of them because it's forever changing. You know, it's forever evolving and trying to make things better for everyone. So, yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, there's, there's a new promotion that kind of comes out and and uh, uses this kind of ten ten pounds increments as the as the go to. Yeah. Now you've been fighting for a decade. What differences have you seen as far as the fight scene, specifically in the UK, but also Scotland? Because you don't you don't hear much about Scotland over here. My first professional heavy uh, was it heavy? My first professional fight was was in Stirling, and uh, it's pretty much going from uh, a town hall in Scotland. In fact, Stevie Ray was actually on that show. Uh, oh. And he was it, was, it was a Scottish fight challenge, it was at the time. And uh, I was on the main, I'm sure it was on the main card. But anyway, Stevie, what, Stevie Ray was like the main event. And it's went from like your town halls, your high schools to, you know, it's getting bigger and bigger. There's more gyms opening up and the, the gyms that have uh, established yourselves are getting bigger and they're having to expand. You've got like uh, higher level in Scotland that they've got most of the, the best fighters here. They've got better and better, and then gyms around them are getting better. Uh, you've got other guys that are coming through, uh, smaller gyms and, and making it to the top now. So I've been around since it was, you know, uh, in your town halls, yeah. car park stuff, to, to now uh, guys getting into USC and, and doing well. It's got to fit yourself, uh, your training. Uh, for example, there, there is places that I could go in the UK with, for example, uh, more heavyweights at my level, yeah. But it just doesn't suit me for work-wise. I, I'm not like full time. I won't come up against guys that are that are doing this for a full time a job. This is pretty much my hobby. I've I've got a full time job as well, so I just like punching people in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've been doing it for a long time, so. I've got decent coaches, uh, kind of guys that I've grew up with and, and came through came through the, like the local club myself. The coaches that I've got, for example, one's Callum Yuri. He's like uh, the first UK 10th Planet Black Belt. Okay. So that's one of my coaches. He's also a Bellator fighter as well. And then we've got Craig McIntosh, who's a, a great fighter in his own right. And uh, being about the block, but also a really good competitor, and and BGJ, he's currently a brown belt. But if you ask me, he's he's just waiting on his black belt any any second. But yeah, we've got some in this area. It's a great pocket in Scotland where there's had some really good fighters come out, and and they seem to need to to go train elsewhere, and we've all kind of ended up splitting up into different. And if they just kept that that group of fighters together, then. I mean, we'd have probably one of the best squads in the whole of the UK. 
But right now in Scotland, it's thriving. You've got the likes of higher level as well through in Glasgow with James Dillon. They've got a really good team. Yeah. And and our coaches are kind of we kind of tied to them a little bit because Craig and Callum Murray, they've kind of came through higher level when they were fighting. So they're kind of like students from from that gym, and also they've opened up their own. So. It's thriving at the moment, and the guys that are doing it, Gary Priestley at Submission Factor as well, who's who's been a long-time friend and coach, and and he's he's been at it the same amount of time as I have. So yeah, there's some really good, uh, really good coaching available. You just need to up off your arse and go and look for it. <laughs> exactly. No, right on. That's good to hear, man. That's good to hear. Yeah. So one thing I always like to ask fighters, especially when they make it to a high-ranked promotion was how did you get that call up? Like, were you just at your gym and somebody was like, hey, it's for you? Or like, like what happened? I'm curious. Yeah, man, I've got a, I've got a manager that kind of, that's been looking after us, after my fights and uh, at the fight agency, his name's Chris Clark. And basically it's kind of been on the radar for, for a little while. Before uh, before I got the call, I was I wasn't expecting it because I'd actually went out to EMC in Germany and fought a really good opponent who's probably uh, Bellator or UFC bound. Oh, Kazim. Yeah, Kazim Aras. He does have a defeat on his record, but it was for something silly that he done against an opponent in England. I think he bit, he tried to bite him or something, bite his arm. But anyway, he really shouldn't have that that defeat. He dominated that fight, but. Yeah, I went out to EMC to fight for their title against Aras and, and got defeated, so I wasn't expecting the call at the time from Bellator. Uh, I thought I was going to have to try and work my way back up to try and get that, that call. But, you know, something's came up last minute and I've been looking for, you know, somebody to step in against Baby Fedor, which is Krill, on mm-hmm. Fedor's undercard, who, which I consider to be the greatest of all time. So it was kind of, I had to say yes as soon as, as, soon as I got a call from, of course. from the manager. There you go. And how would you train for, for that fight, especially because it was kind of, I don't want to say last second, but I guess maybe not ideal conditions? Yeah, it wasn't ideal conditions. Uh, I had to say yes to the fight. Mm-hmm. I was training regularly anyway, you know, but tried to step things up when I got the call. Basically, I'd been nursing a kind of injury anyway, and one week before the fight, it flared up. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, I'm not going to be able to do this. I spent an absolute fortune seeing chiropractors, uh, masseuses, and mm-hmm. every day up until up until including the day of the fight, I was I was trying to get my back better. I don't know if I'd slipped a disc or if I'd pulled a muscle in my lower back, but it was in absolute agony. But I had to keep moving. I had to try and convince everybody, even whilst I was in at Bellator, that, that I was actually okay because I didn't want word getting back to my opponent. So, yeah, the, the training wasn't ideal on, on the lead up to the fight. Even the week of the fight is when I went and, you know, injured my back. I still had to go and do it because, you know, you don't, you might never get that opportunity again. Right. So, yeah, I'm all for saying yes, plus my last couple of fights I'd kind of pulled out as well, one in Sweden and one in the UK, Uh, so I didn't really want to get that reputation of whenever he gets a fight, he calls off, but yeah, when when Bellator come calling, even if you've got an injury, you've got to try and work things out, and that's what I tried to do, 
uh, you can actually see before I go in for that fight that I'm having some issues with my back. You'll see me like even in the the the, the walk out to the cage, you'll see me kind of uh, wince my face and 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 move in certain ways. I was pretty much like that uh, the full week leading up to the fight. Oh my! I hopefully get another chance to to be able to right that wrong and being fit. But like I said, I would never be able to forgive myself if I didn't give myself the best opportunity I had to try and get fit. So when Bellator come calling for Russia, baby mm-hmm. fed or on Fedor's undercard, you've you've got to say yes, even if you are injured. Do you know what I mean? Of for course, sure. for sure, exactly. This episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Earlier, you discussed playing football. Are you a Celtics or Rangers fan? Oh, yeah, uh, Rangers. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it gets passed down through, through your parents, your grandparents when you're, when you're Scottish. You're either Rangers or you're Celtic, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it just seems to be a, a Scottish thing. M- most guys here are, are one or two teams, either Rangers or Celtic, and it's the same in Ireland as well. Uh, I yep. think a lot of religion's tied to it, and yeah, it just gets passed down. Yeah, well, I was going to say good, because the Rangers won, uh, they won last year, they're leading this year. They have a connection to TFC with Jermaine Defoe as your forward, so we're all very happy with that. And you have a Canadian on your team, so we're all happy to see that too. So I'm a low-key Rangers looker-outer. I don't know if he's technically Canadian. Uh, he plays for the Canadian he... national team, you shush your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> You're done. I, think You're, I will I think end this interview. I just up the road from here, but uh, yeah, you can have him. Uh, Scott yeah, Arfield yeah. Uh, is a great player. Yeah, darn right he is. Canadian. Anyway, <laughs> I'm bitter. He's got a thick, thick Canadian accent, you know. <laughs> He's from Newfoundland in my mind, okay, where we have this accent too. Where, where, are, you guys, uh, where are you guys just now? We're in Toronto. Toronto. Uh, we had Canadians come over to, to where I'm from uh, and play the, like I play rugby as well. So just the amateur for fun, mostly for social reasons, you know, for a drink and whatnot. And we had Brock Rugby Club come over a couple of years ago. Uh, I think they're in the Sunder- Sunderland area of Toronto. Yeah, they're in Blackwater, Ontario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, that, is that right? So these guys come over and had a good time with them a couple of years ago. I'm sure they're from Toronto. Uh, so, yeah. I'll need to get back. I'll need to return the favour and get back over there for uh, for a game of rugby at some point. But those lads were, were really, really good. Yeah, they like to bevy, like to drink. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a Canadian quality. Yeah, your Scottish national side looks like they should make Qatar too, right? Should make what? Sorry, Qatar, the World Cup. Yeah, they've put themselves in a good position. They've got a playoff game against. Uh, Ukraine at home, so although it's uh, a tough draw, you're at home, and there could have been a worse draw. You know, you could have got Portugal or, or an Italy away from home. That's right. Yeah, you've, they've managed to get a decent draw in Ukraine, and if they win that, they'll need to go away from home to either Wales or Austria. So I'd imagine Wales will probably win that because they're at home. So you know, they've got a couple of ties there in March that if they win, they're quite capable of winning, and you know, the prize is a World Cup. So. The last time I think Scotland were at a World Cup it was France 98, I believe. 
so it's been it's well overdue. So it'd be good to see it'd be good to see the national team back on the on that level again. Now, Rob, I got to ask because it is Scotland. But are are you a fan of golf or no? Uh, I can't hit a ball. <laughs> I mean, if, if you give me a stick and a ball, I'll be able to hit it far, but in what direction, who knows? <laughs> uh, yeah, most of my friends in that play, but I just, I've always been called Sport Billy, so anything you can run, jump, uh, I'm really good at. But when it comes to darts, pool, golf, yeah, I've, I've no chance. It's, uh, the ball could go anywhere. <laughs> We've got some great courses in Scotland as well, man. But no, nah, it's just it's not something that I'm not interested. Uh, a good walk spoiled is what is what they call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I'm big into golf, so I just had to ask. And it's funny you mention uh, darts because Justin's parents were like professional dart players. Oh, really? That's cool, man. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Our, our cabinet is lined with trophies and like sponsorships and stuff. So it was a good time. Yeah, some. Uh, Parents brought you up well then you're a darts man yourself not at all i cannot <laughs> hit it for i did not inherit that gene but uh it's all good what's your go-to sport uh my go so i trained in martial arts for 14 years oh so really i have a black belt in goju yeah black belt in goju karate um so i like to i like to to fight i actually get excited when i when a fight kind of happens i work security so i'm like oh yeah let's do this what type of karate did you say there or just goju empty hand way all oh, right Pretty cool, man. So you've been doing that for 14 years? Yeah, I did do that for a long time, and I uh, got my black belt. I was very, very proud of that. I'm a showdan. And uh, I fought in like a lot of kind of inter-promotional tournaments and semi-international tournaments, and I've placed before. And I stopped doing it back when I was like 21 because of school. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I kind of wish I knew more about MMA at the time. I might have changed my career choice, and instead of being an engineer, I could have been shacking up against you. And that would have, been, would have been kind of fun. <laughs> That's how I started. I started with karate as well when I was at a young age. So I, I don't know if it was that kind of 90s boom with the, the karate kid and, <laughs> and whatnot. That's, there you go. That's kind of, but uh, yeah, I started with karate as well. And it's just it's something. I wish we had what you guys have in America. Uh, not, sorry, I was going to say America. I don't know if they do it in Canada. I, I, I'm pretty sure they do as well. Do you still have like, high school wrestling? Yes. Yeah, we do. Yeah, but we don't really have anything like that. I mean, back in the day, it used to be boxing, and and since then, it's, it's died down. They don't have any kind of martial arts in the schools growing up now. So, whereas the, in the States and in Canada and stuff like that, you've got high school wrestling. Uh, I mean, they've got football, and I wish mm. we, you know, had some form of self-defense, at least, in, in the school system for kids growing up. Because, I mean, that's yeah. the reason why I started karate is, because guy, you know, I was getting bullied at the time, and I needed that. My my parents got fed up of me coming in saying, you know, I've been beat up by this person, beat up by that person, and you know, like that they just had enough. And they said, right, you'll need to go and learn how to defend yourself. And you know, if they had that from an earlier age and had the respect and what comes with it, growing up, I I think a lot of these guys wouldn't turn to bullying. Uh, mm-hmm. And even if they did, then you still have a way to defend yourself. Uh, like they do in, in Canada and America by being able to protect protect yourself through wrestling or, or whatever it may be, man. But I, I think there should be some form of uh, self-defense anyway through schools. I agree. For instance, I mean, myself in particular, uh, going up through school, we had wrestling. I actually had judo. I had judo in school at one point. 
And I even did fencing in school. So it, a lot of it, it comes down to the individual schools and what teachers are there and what skills they have. But for the most part, wrestling is pretty much a, a guarantee in any Canadian school. Well, the, the curriculum is kind of nationalized here in, in Scotland and in the UK. So you, what they're getting taught, everybody's getting taught. So the, the school doesn't have much SA in uh, being individual compared to other schools. So the, the curriculum will be all the same for all the kids. And on that, you've got football, you'll have swimming, you'll have even skiing in, st- in some schools, but or rugby, you know, school of rugby or school of football, but they won't have any kind of form of self-defence. It could be, I think back in the day, they used to make them uh, box or at least train them in how to and how to box, but nowadays they don't have any kind of form of self-defence. And I think if you've trained in martial arts, you know, like the respect levels there. That's right. For you, yeah, you get taught, you know, to respect your opponents, and and I, I just thought if they, if they brought that into a school environment, then you would, it would take away quite a lot of bullies because it would have a lot more respect because of being taught what what was you know martial arts and the respect that comes with it. So yeah. It's a bit of a shame that in the UK we don't have wrestling, for example, or even BJJ uh, as part of the curriculum. It would be good to see kids uh, growing up with that from an early age. But it seems to be they don't get to do that until they're like teenagers and stuff and they have to go and look for it themselves uh, once they want to do it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I'd, I'd never heard that from him before. I honestly just assumed that everyone did wrestling. You know what I mean? Like we just assume that that's part of every school curriculum the fact that and it's not you're saying it's not just scotland no it's, it's the uk in general ireland will be wow. the same they might uh that's why these guys are so much they're so ahead of us in that part of the world and in other parts of the world because again it through the school system so you know that they're learning it from an early age and that's why you guys are, are far ahead i mean that's like I said, back in the day in the UK, it used to be boxing, so we were always, well, we think we were better than you guys at, at boxing because, you know, we got that growing up. Yeah. But uh, you've got the wrestling side growing up. I'd just like to see some form of, you know, it'd be judo, BJJ. It doesn't need to be striking because obviously you know what parents are like. That's right. So even if it was like a BGJ, judo or, or, or something like that, wrestling and the schools over here, it would make a big difference for the sport uh, in the UK. And not just that, it would make a big difference to, to people's lives in general, i.e. mental health, you know, doing something physical every day for your well-being, and then it would cut out a lot more of the, the bullying, etc. It goes on with, you know what it's like in school, uh, you're part of the bullies, you're not. So. Yeah, we teach those kids a, a wee bit more respect and hopefully they would, would not turn down the wrong corner and, and go the right way. You know what I mean? No, I, I know exactly what you mean. No, it's a great point you make. And no one's, it's funny, we've talked to guys from the UK before, no one's ever mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah, so just kind of touch on that. The school I went to, it's called Santa Luis Gonzaga. Shout out to them. And also shout out to my, to my boy Mason McAlary, who's like a number one fan of us and thoroughly enjoys our podcast. What's up, Mason? In my, in my third and fourth year, or year three, year four of, of high school, in gym, it had different sections we could take, right? So one of them was general gym, then it got to swimming, and it got to weightlifting. But in the general gym, we did things like trampolining, curling, but one section was self-defense for a month. So we had 
uh, a black belt from karate come in and teach us, which was kind of redundant at the time because I was training anyway. So I'm like, this is whatever. But like, you know, it's nice to always learn different views. Uh, we had judo, we had kempo, we had BJJ, we had we didn't have boxing. Um, although we did go to boxing, we didn't fight each other. We fought pads. And then we also had basic police takedown training for some reason. And with our school, if you went to any of these promotions and you're like, hey, I'm with Gonzaga, you got some type of discount. So basically, I think you should move to Canada is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> that's, my, that's my sales pitch. Yeah, I'm pretty much nearly on the way there. I've got I've got two kids. My son's really good at rugby. Uh, he's, he's already playing for a decent team here in Stirling County. And they're like uh, the closest team that he can play for. Now in Scotland, in the UK in general, you can uh, there's private schools, which is obviously if your parents are, are rich or whatever, they can put some money aside for you and say, here you go and get some better education here. And and those private schools are are usually where the best players in rugby are. I don't, I don't know if it's a bit of snobbery going on there or whatever, but for the likes of myself, who's you know a blue collar kind of worker. It's harder, it makes it more difficult for my son to then go and progress in, in a rugby career, for example, through through his school or through his club, whereas these guys are then, you know, paying money to go to the private school, they're getting a rugby or they're coaching every day, two hours, three hours a day, whereas he goes to like a, you know, just a, I think they call it like a state-run school, he would go to the, there and he's maybe getting PE, twice a week which can involve one week uh, one lesson being football the other lesson being you know being rugby or, or swimming or whatever it may be so uh, that of a disadvantage uh, here, in, here in Scotland so I mean I like the the way the Americans have got the if you're an American football player you can get that scholarship yeah they don't really do that here in the UK you, you've either got the money or you don't have the money to send them to these these schools that are that are really good for rugby so yeah, you either got the money or you don't. There is some discounts and stuff like that there if you're really good, but it's nothing. You either pay pretty much full price. Whereas in America, you've got like guys who are really good at basketball, uh, American football. They're getting you know the school education free and getting the opportunity to do what they love. You know, maybe two or three hours a day through their coaching and whatnot. And I just think that's missing a, a bit here in the UK. You know. Uh, guys don't get the same opportunities as what they do in America if, if you're in the UK. So yeah, I think moving to Canada or the, or the US is coming. Because <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, it's so true. And I'm like, I feel like America has more opportunities than Canada when it comes to a lot of things, sports and entertainment, which is why a lot of Canadians who are in, you know, kind of Kobe, mine, or we have another partner named Nee, all three of us are actors. I'm a stand-up comedian. And uh, so there's a bit of a glass ceiling when it comes to Canadian entertainment here and why we all kind of jump ship to America. It's unfortunate, but it also works in the way of sports too. Yeah. Big uh, time in the way of sports. If you're a top athlete in any of the big sports here, there's a good chance you're going to get scholarship offers from schools in the States. Yeah. That's missing here. Uh, I mean, they've got the pathways for soccer, but again, it's not necessarily done through schools. In Scotland, they'll maybe have, I think there's like five or six schools that are performing schools just for soccer. And again, they do need to be invited to that. But outside soccer, there isn't anything in the way of uh, a pathway for the likes of rugby or, or judo or, you know, any of those kind of sports. It only seems to be soccer here. Yeah. 
I just feel like the Americans have got it so much easier. If you're, if you're a great athlete, you know, you're getting things thrown at you, uh, whether it be school, uh, you know, I've, I've seen guys who are playing high school American football and they're getting offered cars, their mum and dad are getting a house and stuff like that. They're throwing money at, at these kids to, to come to their school and then you've got guys here that are that are really good sportsmen. It's like, nah, you need to pay your own way. And then sometimes they get lost in the system. Do you know what I mean? Let's get off topic for a second. What's your favorite movie, Rep? Ah, oh, favorite movie. You put me right on the spot there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I've got I've got a few go tos. Uh, you know, I'm, I reckon you will have uh, guessed this one, and you've probably been waiting on this response. But you know, your brave hearts are always up there. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh my. So it's all it's always a go to moment. Yeah, the night before the fight, put on a bit of brave heart. You know, uh, get the the blood pumping, but. Uh, yeah, that's that's number one. We'll stick with that. Braveheart. <laughs> All right. Okay. I was gonna say there's a Netflix MMA movie that just came out. Um, oh my God, what is it called? Bruised with Holly Berry. Yeah. I I want to give that a go, but I was hoping you'd be like, "Have you seen that movie?" And then I was gonna have you give me your review, but that did not go as well as I. I was hoped. working night shift last night, and uh, I've got that set up as a you know a coming soon or a. A notification popped up. I was like, "Oh, I've not seen that. What is that?" And I seen, you know, MMA movie. I'll like, I'll need to watch that, but I had to get to sleep, so I would have watched it this morning. But you know, I had to get rising shine for you guys today. <laughs> Thank you. And you said you basically fight now more of a hobby. So, how many hours training do you put in per week? Well, do you know what? Because the pay and an MMA isn't great, and even when you get to the top of the sport, it isn't great when you're first starting out. So yeah. it's it doesn't pay my bills. I mean, I live comfortably with with my family. I've got a, a nice house, a new built house, and I need to pay pay the way. So I've I've got to work. MMA. I've always, like I said, I like punching people in the face. Uh, but if if I had the option, that it goes back to like what we were talking about. I've been the opportunities in school and stuff like that. If I if I had the full time availability through finance, through, I don't know whether it be sponsorships or, or schools or, or whatever it may be, uh, then I, I would definitely do it. But like I said, I've got two kids, a nice house, family that I need to support. So I need to go out and work. And the only way, that means that MMA has to, has to come second. So the training kind of takes a back step. So training-wise, if I've got a fight, I mean, I'll put the hours in, I'll be training, you know, before work, after work, and even during work if I need to. So that I'll rack up the hours every day. But out with, if I don't have a fight, I tend to just do your usual kind of your evening classes like anybody would do. Yeah. And just tick over that way. Uh, but if I've got a fight organised, then I'm never out the gym. I'll, I'll maybe be training uh, twice, twice a day at the gym and then maybe once on my own, whether it be like... Uh, on a treadmill or running or going to the gym and, and doing some uh, strength and conditioning or something. But just the way it is, man, I've got to work to pay the bills. So, yeah. No, that's right, man. I mean, MMA isn't easy. It's not easy at this point. Hey, I have a, I always ask this question to kind of everybody. And uh, have you ever had a poutine before? <laughs> poutine? Yeah. No, man, what's that? So a poutine, it's a very famous Canadian dish. And all it is is fries cheese and gravy so that that's the basic form and it's most rice cheese and gravy it seems a bit wrong 
Seems a bit, you seem wrong. <laughs> cheese, cheese, and cheese, gravy. Curd, cheese curds. Cheese curds. Cheese curds, like, like melted cheese, like hot cheese. I mean, so cheese curds are like little balls of cheese. You can also use shredded cheese, too. Yeah. You can also substitute the gravy for, like, pulled pork, for beef, for butter chicken. Oh, right. Uh, you just call them dirty fries. Dirty fries. <laughs> dirty fries. Sir, you have offended me thrice in this interview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just call them dirty fries. You, you basically, you put on, uh, you cook your fries and then you put whatever meat you want on there, chicken or it could be anything, and then just either pour over like melted, you know, that, that hot, hot cheese, the American-style cheese, uh, or it could be gravy, it could be curry sauce or, or whatever it would be but yeah we, call, we just call that dirty fries see now now that's more like a cheesy fries variant the the thing with poutine is because you're using cheese curds which is sort of the hard little ends of cheese it's the gravy's job to slightly melt it right so the hot gravy slightly melts the cheese curds it, it comes out a very different consistency than the, the dirty fries you're talking about all right. Uh, what kind of consistency are we talking? Is, is it the same as it goes in as the way it comes out? <laughs> <laughs> Type of consistency. <laughs> I mean, sounds good, man. I'd love to have some of that. Hey, what if you, if you ever come to uh, to good old Canada, specifically Toronto area, I'll uh, I'll treat you to one. All right. Yeah, man. That, that actually sounds really good. For sure. Awesome talking to you, buddy. It was a fun talk. I'm, you actually clued me in on a few things I did not know about the UK MMA scene, that's for sure. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account, where you can also slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at P Podcasters on Twitter. <laughs>